Thank you, thank you. Awesome. Okay, great. Good to see you guys. It's, it's fun to be up here and uh, excited about what God's going to do this morning. Um, I don't know about you, I, I'm going to pray for us in just a minute, but I, um, I'm feeling increasingly provoked that I don't just want more information that tickles my ears and makes me feel good. I want to be changed by Jesus when I come to church on a Sunday. I don't know if anyone else wants that as well, but I want us to pray for some revelation that what I share this morning, that Jesus would really get hold of our hearts, and as a result, we would go out of this place different. Is that okay? Yeah. And so I, I'm just going to pray. Why don't you just remain open to, to Jesus, and we'll see what he wants to do. Father, we just want to say that we love you. We love you, God. We love your presence with us. We thank you that you're alive and that you are doing amazing things in our lives, in this town, in this nation, and the nations of the world. We thank you, God, that your kingdom is always advancing and that your purpose is that each one of us would have a significant role to play in seeing your kingdom break in on the earth. What a privilege. And Father, I just pray that you'd this morning break off weariness, break off any over-familiarity in our hearts with this stuff, and I pray for fresh faith to come and stir our hearts and captivate our hearts for all that you've called us to do, all that you've called us to be. We just pray for it, Holy Spirit, that you would come and change us. Come and make us more like you, Jesus. Come and let dreams wake up in our hearts. Would you take us on adventures with you? Father, we thank you that you've got such good stuff, good works prepared in advance for us to walk in. And we pray, God, as a result of this morning, we would see lives transformed, miracles, workplaces affected, and this nation increasingly coming to revelation of who you are, Jesus. We just want to say we love you. And we're here for you. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Well, um, we are, I think, pretty much slap bang in the middle of our series on Esther. And uh, Esther essentially is the story of a young Jewish girl who gets uh, strategically picked out by God and placed in the palace in the superpower of the day, which was Persia, where she becomes queen, and in, in her co-laboring with God, essentially she saves an entire nation, which is pretty cool. And uh, the story so far is that um, Esther has been taken into the palace, and she has been made queen, and uh, her, uh, her uncle Mordecai has un uncovered this plot that a man called Haman has put in place to basically eradicate the Jews, to wipe out Esther's nation, the Jewish nation, and Mordecai has called Esther to say, Esther, you need to do something about this. You need to go and present yourself to the king and, and get him to stop this plot taking place. And Esther knows that that is against the law, that she's not allowed to approach the king uninvited, and that she could risk being killed because of it. But at the end of two weeks ago, what we, what we see is that Esther says to Mordecai, listen, let's go and fast and pray for three days. I'm going to approach the king. If I perish, I perish. And we left it on that rather wonderful cliffhanger two weeks ago. So let's see what happens. Esther chapter 5. We're going to read from verses uh, 1 to 8. Uh, on the third day of the feast, oh sorry, on the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes and entered the inner court of the palace just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and held out the gold scepter to her. 
So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. Then the king asked her, what do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. And Esther replied, if it please the king, let the king and Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for the king. And what happens is the king and Haman, the enemy, go to this banquet that Esther's prepared, and the king asks Esther the same question. What do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. And rather bizarrely, Esther says the same thing to the king and Haman. Well, what I would love to happen is for you and Haman to come to another banquet I'm going to prepare for you tomorrow evening. It's actually not until that banquet that then she exposes the plot and asks the king to turn it around to save her nation. And so what we see being uh, demonstrated in these very short amount of verses are two things. There is, first of all, crazy courage on, on Esther's part in approaching the king in the first place. Crazy courage. But also, we see, we see creativity in action because the way that Esther puts in motion her plan to, to save her nation is to invite the king and Haman to a banquet. There's creativity in the way she goes about doing what God has called her to do. And we live with this conviction here at the King's Arms that each one of us has been strategically placed where we are to have influence and to see God's kingdom break in and shape shape society and shift culture and impact lives. We live with a conviction here that each one of us has a significant role to play in seeing God's kingdom advance on the earth. Don't we? The truth is that all of us have been strategically placed in the jobs we're in, in the families we're in, in the schools or colleges we're in, in the neighborhoods we're in. We have been strategically placed there by God so that we can co-labor with him to see his kingdom advance, to see lives transformed, and to see his goodness poured out all around us. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, I just want to say really quickly to you, it's great to have you with us. We are so glad you have come. And you need to know that God loves you so, so much. And he has not just got relationship with him for you, which is the best decision you could ever make to come into that relationship, but you get brought into an adventure with your heavenly father. I want to tell you guys this morning, we're meant to be on adventure with God. And I'm increasingly learning, the more I am saying yes to the adventures God's got for me, the more alive I'm coming on the inside. We are called to adventure. And in order to do all that God's called us to do as individuals, as a church, we need crazy courage and we need creativity. And so we're just going to unpack those with the rest of the time we've got. So first of all, crazy courage. What Esther did in approaching the king was crazy courage. It was against the law. She wasn't meant to go in there uninvited and she was at risk of losing her life. She needed crazy courage to do what God had called her to, to fulfill her destiny. The truth is that not many of us, I hope none of us, will ever have to lose our lives for putting the kingdom of God first. But it is very possible that in our pursuit of seeking the kingdom above everything else and doing what God has called us to do above everything else, it is possible that we might have difficulties and tensions within our families. We might know rejection from friends. We might even have discipline situations in our workplaces as we seek to put God's kingdom first. I want to tell you a bit of my journey. There's a picture coming up of a a girl called Gay Coulson. You might recognize her. Uh, She's a member of our church family here. She was here in the first meeting, so 
hopefully she's, she wasn't too embarrassed, but um, I got her permission to put her, her photo up there. Uh, it look, looks very beautiful. Um, she is just one example of, of many of us in this room who are seeing God's kingdom break out in our everyday life. Uh, she told me recently that um, in her previous place of work, there was a real blame culture where the colleagues would blame each other for stuff, and she took a stand against that and, and looked to shift it. She came against it and spoke out about it and, and looked to shift that culture, a blame culture, to a, to a culture of encouragement. She told me she used to walk around the workplace and pray and that she would also often pray for her colleagues. And she also told me that a while ago she was out on a night out and someone turned to her and said, I mean, this is crazy. Do you go to church? There's something different about you. I mean, it's so cool, isn't it? Do you go to church? There's something different about you. She got to tell them about the king's arms and that person now has come along and is a part of our family here which is amazing. And she, she's seen breakthrough with friends as she's prayed for them. So she's seeing, she's living the stuff that we're called to as a church family. What many of you may not know is that about 10 years ago, Gay was one of my pupils in one of my classes when I was a teacher. And uh, I used to teach part-time at a local upper school, and I used to work for the church part-time as the youth leader here. Uh, time has been good to me, hasn't it? 10 years ago, I mean, I look, anyway, anyway. <laughs> I look good, I look good. <laughs> and uh, I, I used to teach uh, gay, and she was uh, one of my pupils in a religious studies class I taught. And at church, we were about to start a youth alpha course for our young people and their friends. And there came a point at, one of our at the end of one of our lessons when I just asked gay and a friend of hers what they believed. And gay started to tell me that she was a Catholic, and I began to ask her what she believed, what do, what do Catholics believe, and it turned out pretty quickly that she was very confused about the whole thing. And I had a moment of an open-door opportunity that God had given me where I had to choose to, well, I could have chosen to be crazily courageous. And what I ended up doing was I invited her and her friend along to the Youth Alpha course that we were about to run. Now, from a professional point of view, I shouldn't have done it. I could have got in a lot of trouble. But what happened was God opened up this door of opportunity and I made a decision to be courageous and step through it and trust God with the outcome. What ended up happening is that Gay and her friend ended up coming along to the Youth Alpha course. Uh, throughout the course, uh, Gay, at one point on the course, decided to give her life to Jesus. And she uh, met with God, she got filled with the Holy Spirit, and she's been walking with God ever since. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You know, the truth is, many of us are in jobs or situations where there is just so much red tape that we don't know how to do this, bringing the kingdom in this workplace or in this situation. The reality is that God has strategically put you where you are, not primarily for you to do the job you're doing, although it's great to do it really well. He's primarily put you there to represent Jesus to the people around you. And in order to do that, we need crazy courage. We represent Jesus through standing up for things of integrity, for doing the best job we can in the situation we're in. We also need crazy courage to take opportunities that God's, God opens up for us and trust him with the outcome. I remember another time I was in a lesson and I think the kids, I, somehow they knew that I heard from God and we talked about the prophetic and about four or five kids down the left-hand side of the classroom asked me if I, pro if I would prophesy over them. I was like, oh gosh, this is awkward. I mean, a class of 30, we were doing worksheets. So I just began to have conversations with them, and I thought a, be a best way to go about this was to encourage them that well, God wants to speak to you directly. 
So I said, you guys can hear from God. Why don't you shut your eyes and just ask God what he wants to say to you? And I wandered off to check everyone else doing their worksheets and then came back. So what's God said? So this one guy had closed his eyes, asked God what he wanted to say, and he said, I said, what did you see? He said, I, I saw a picture of two cliffs with a bridge attaching the two cliffs. I was like, I know that picture. I, was, I, said, I, I said, interesting. I said, was Jesus in the picture? He said, let me just check. So he shut his eyes again. And um, he didn't put his hands out, actually. That's, that's me. He just shut his eyes around by the desk. And, I said, and he said, yeah, Jesus is there. I said, where is Jesus? He said, Jesus is in the middle of the bridge. I was like, ask Jesus if he wants to say anything to you. So he shut his eyes again. I walked off and checked the kids were doing what they were meant to be doing. Came back. I said, what does Jesus want to say to you? He said, he said, he said to me, come follow me. And I was like, brilliant. That's awesome. <laughs> now, we need wisdom to walk this line because we want to honor the places we work and the situations we're in. We want to honor our families and our friendship groups. We also ultimately want to be listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. There was actually one point during my career where I got invited into a meeting with a senior member of staff to talk through what I'd been saying to some of the pupils and for him to give me a little bit of a warning. But, and there's wisdom for us, but God had my back the whole time. And I saw incredible breakthrough. And the reality is all of us are strategically placed wherever we are, whether we're working or not, whether we live in Bedford or Milton Keynes or wherever we are, we are strategically placed by God so that we can co-labor with him to see his kingdom advance on the earth. What a privilege. It's incredibly exciting. It's a massive adventure. And we need courage to do it. So how do we grow in courage? Two things. Number one, we need to clothe ourselves with our true identity. If you look at what Esther did immediately before she went in to see the king, this is what it says in, in the scripture. On the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes. Don't you just love that? Esther put on her royal robes. In other words, Esther clothed herself with her true identity. Esther reminded herself of who she was, that she was in fact the queen. And you know, the reality is for each one of us in this room, if you are a Christian, the second you gave your life to Jesus, you got an identity transplant. Someone give me an amen. amen. It's very good news. The minute you gave your life to Jesus, you became a brand new creation in Christ, fully alive to God. You once were a slave to sin, now you're a slave to righteousness. Your default position is, want to, is to want to honor and please your heavenly father. That is what's been put in you. And a massive breakthrough, a massive key that changed for us when we gave our lives to Jesus is that... Uh, this desire to see God's kingdom advance all around us was put into our DNA. It's in the very fabric of who we are now to want to see Jesus made famous wherever we go. It's in us. We are carriers of God's kingdom. It's in the very fabric of who we are. And so one of the things we've got to do as we look to grow in courage is we've got to increasingly grow in revelation of who we really are now that we're in Christ that we are his ambassadors, given his authority to see God's kingdom break out wherever we go. And the, the, the challenge is that there is a very real battle going on for our identity. The enemy does not want us to fully step into the fullness of who God says we now are. And so there is a battle, often it plays out in our minds, that tries to stop us stepping into courage when God opens up opportunities for us. 
I mean, even this week, I've had to battle with thoughts about maybe I should just stop praying for the sick. Maybe I should stop really going for stuff. And those aren't my thoughts. That is a scheme of the enemy to stop me being everything God's called me to be. What are the lies that he's feeding you? Because the reality is the more we grow in understanding who we really are now that we're in Christ, now that we're brand new creations, now that we're seated in heavenly places and have all the resources of heaven at our disposal, the more courage will just spill out of you because you know who you are. Is everyone okay? Okay. I remember once getting an opportunity to pray for someone by the river and I, I uh, had overheard her talking about having pain in her ovaries. It was like, she was about, I don't know, 17, 18. And I knew I had to go and offer to pray for her, but I was really petrified. I just was scared about talking to her. And uh, I ended up just taking a moment to remind myself who I was. I remember thinking uh, things like, Wendy, this is what you've been made to do. You're an ambassador of Christ. The kingdom of God is within you. God's got your back. You can do it. And I just kind of thought those things through. And I, as I did it, I felt courage rising in my heart. This is what I've been made to do. And I went and spoke to her. And uh, she was really open for me praying. I prayed maybe three times. And uh, nothing particularly changed in, in her body, but there was something that changed in me as I reminded myself, this is who I am. This is what I've been made to do. This is what makes me come most alive because of what's God, what God's called me to. And so I just want to encourage us. I want to encourage us as a church family to go on a journey of growing in revelation of who we are in Christ. Not just information. We know this stuff. Information kind of stays in your brain. The revelation, it, it impacts your heart so that your behavior is changed. Your, so that your internal reality impacts your external reality. What you believe about yourself on the inside will come out of you. And so I think one of the ways we can go about doing this is to meditate on truth, the truth that the Bible says about us. And I think declarations are going to be a fun thing for us to be doing in this season. Declaring the truth out loud over ourselves as to who God says we are. So I thought we'd give it a go together. Is that all right right now? I've got, a, I've got a few things up here. The truth is death and life are in the power of the tongue. What you say, what you and I say, say is very, very powerful. The words we say either release death or they bring life. And so we're just going to declare these out loud together as a, as a start on the journey. Is that okay? You guys ready? Awesome. Ready? One, two, three. I am a beloved child of God. My heavenly Father is well pleased with me. I am without blemish and free from accusation. The same Holy Spirit who anointed Jesus now anoints me. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am equipped by God to see his kingdom advance wherever I go. Come on. That's true. That's true. This is who we are. So as we grow increasingly in revelation of who we are, Seeing the kingdom break out will flat naturally flow out of us because we will grow in courage and understanding what we're called to do. The second thing I think we can do in, or, in order to grow in courage is to increasingly create a culture of encouragement in our church family. Uh, the words that Mordecai speaks to Esther in Esther 4, verse 15, it says this, And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. They're some of the most quoted words in, in the book of Esther. Everyone kind of knows those words for such a time as this. And it was Esther's uncle Mordecai that said these words to Esther 
And, and when he said these words, it seems that these words he spoke were the provocation and encouragement Esther needed to go and be courageous and do what she was called to. Mordecai's provocation, who knows, maybe you're here for such a time as this, seemed to shift Esther's thinking, and she said, okay, I'm going to go for it. If I perish, I perish. And the truth is, actually, when you encourage someone, you literally give them courage. To encourage means to literally give someone courage. And the amazing thing is that when we encourage people, we not only have an impact on their lives, but our encouragement of them and the courage we give them to be everything God's called them to be also has a knock-on effect on everyone else. Then they, they then go on to impact. So let me give you an example. I remember when I was first stepping out and hearing God's voice and prophesying, a guy called Adrian, who was in the church at the time, invited me to go and prophesy from the front of a church when he went to speak there. I was absolutely petrified. I really hadn't prophesied very much. And uh, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I, was just, I just felt pretty sick, to be honest with you. I felt pretty rough. And I paced up and down at the back of the church saying, God, please speak to me, please speak to me. I don't want to look like a fool. And uh, finally, he gave me a word for this teenager on the back row about her being priceless. God just wanted her to know, you're priceless. That's, that was all. So I got up to the front, and I was feeling a bit more peaceful because I had something to say at least. And I picked her out from the back and asked her to stand. But because of the fear and the nerves, I said to her, God just wants you to know that he just, wa- he just wants you to know he thinks you're really worthless. <laughs> well, the words that came out of my mouth, and I was like, oh, no, Jesus, help me. So it was about two seconds when I, when I, I realized suddenly that I'd said totally the wrong word and possibly ruined her for life, but kind of tried to pull it back and rectify the situation. No, 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 God says you're priceless. He really loves you. And, um, here, here's the amazing thing that happened. Adrian and others, their response to me was to encourage me to keep having a go. They gave me courage to keep taking risks. And over the years, I've seen many, many people's lives impacted in the church and on the streets through prophesying. Not only that, but I have trained and encouraged many, many other people to step into the prophetic. You see, the impact of Adrian's encouragement of me about 16 years ago not only gave me courage, but has a massive impact on everyone who's received a prophetic word from me and a massive impact on everyone I now give courage to to do the same thing. It's very, very powerful. And a guy called Banning Liebscher, who leads Jesus Culture, says this, which I absolutely love. He says, the main reason why people don't fulfill their destiny in God is not a lack of training, but a lack of courage. I'm increasingly convinced that people don't need more training on how to do stuff. Rather, they need courage to do the stuff they already know how to do. They need courage to do the stuff they already know how to do. And I think this is significant for us. I think many of us in this room, we don't need training on how to talk to someone about Jesus. We don't need training on how to pray for someone for healing or to hear God's voice to speak to somebody. What most of us need is courage to do the stuff we already know how to do. And I believe that one of the ways we're going to get that is by turning up the dial of the culture of encouragement we have here at the King's Arms. That we would be a family who give each other courage left, right, and center. I think many of us will step into our destiny in God because of the courage that people on our left and our right will give us through encouragement. And so I just want to ask you guys, who are you giving courage to? 
Remember, your words have power. Who are you giving courage to so that they fulfill their destiny in God? I would encourage us to increasingly grow in a culture of encouragement here at the King's Arms and see what God's going to do. So that's courage. We need to grow in courage. We need crazy courage. As we land, just quickly, I'm going to look at the whole area of creativity. I love um, Esther's response to the king's request of, what do you want, Esther? She, she doesn't straight away come out with, there's a plot against my nation, you need to stop it. She says, can you and Haman come, come to a banquet I've prepared? I mean, it doesn't make sense. It certainly didn't make sense to me when I read this first. Of all. I was like, that is not what I was expecting. What we see Esther using here is creativity in the way that she works out what God's called her to do. And I think, I want to say, guys, the reality in terms of seeing God's kingdom break out and fulfilling your calling as men and women who are equipped to see God's kingdom come is as broad as there are people in this room. There needs to be freedom for us to be creative in how we do the stuff God has called us to do. There is not a whole set of boxes to tick. If you want to bring the kingdom, you have to do X, Y, Z. There's not a mold that you need to kind of squeeze yourself into. I want to say, guys, permission to be creative. Do the stuff as you. God has got wisdom as well for those of you in situations where you don't know what to do. You feel stuck. You don't know how to bring the kingdom in this particular situation, in your family, in your workplace. You just don't know what to do. God has got great ideas. He is not short of ideas. And for some of us, what God wants to begin to do is to bring creative ideas into our minds to help us know how to live out the call that God has placed on our life. You know, for many of our TSM students, our Training for Supernatural Ministry School students, the breakthrough moment comes for them when they realize that they can do this stuff as them. They don't have to be like me or Steph who heads up all the outreach. They can do it as them. And there's massive liberty and freedom and creativity that comes as a result. Uh, one lady recently, she was having her car MOT'd, and she just said to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I'm open to whatever you want me to do. And he said, I want you to encourage the receptionist. And then she was like, oh, no, you actually asked me to do something. Um, but she, she was brilliant. She, she, had a, she grabbed a piece of paper. She went up to the receptionist, can I have a piece of paper? And could you tell me your name? And the receptionist was a little bit weird, weirded out by it. She said, don't worry, it's going to be good. And uh, took, took the paper, wrote the receptionist's name in the middle, and then did like a mind map of encouragement. Stuff that she could see, but also stuff that God dropped into her heart. And then she shared it with the receptionist at the end, said, God wants you to know this is who you are. Amazing. Kingdom of God broke in. Another of our students had a dream about his wife's, his wife's boss, who was a businessman, and he knew the dream was for the boss. And it was to do with their, him stepping into a new level of uh, unique wisdom in terms of his business that was going to make it grow and expand. And he was a little bit nervous. like, gosh, my wife could get the sack if I share this with this guy. He doesn't really know me. But he emailed the dream to his wife's boss. I said, I feel like God is saying this. God has given me this dream for you. This is what I feel like God's saying. Anyway, he told us recently that a year on, uh, the business has grown in success. And the boss recently emailed this guy's wife to say, it's a result of that dream that your husband sent in. I mean, the guy was asleep. It's how easy this is, you know. <laughs> when you understand who you are, the kingdom just pops out of you. Because we're carriers of God's kingdom. He was asleep and God brought creativity to him in the nighttime in his bed to see his kingdom break out in a job that he wasn't even involved in. 
is how easy it is, guys. There are some fun adventures for us to go on. Permission to be very creative. Let's get our creative juices flowing. We're going to grow in courage, crazy courage, through understanding more of who we are in Christ and through creating a culture increasingly of encouragement where we give courage to each other and permission to be creative. Let's pray together.